0: Good morning. morning. Anybody here been parasailing, paragliding up in the air? Anybody done that? I have never done that. But for my birthday a few weeks ago, a close friend gave me as a gift, the gift of flying, of soaring above the clouds. Haven't done it yet, but... uh, I was, I was looking at pictures, and I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm an adrenaline junkie, so I'm excited, but I'm also like, I'm getting to that point in my life where I'm like, ooh, gosh, this, this could be ugly if something bad happens. Should I really do it? But I love the, I love the metaphor, the image of soaring, of flying, versus so much of our lives that feels like we're in the weeds, we're in the mud, we're struggling, we're clawing our way, And actually, as you read Scripture, so much of God's dream for us is to soar, to fly. And not just to soar and fly, but watch this, to help somebody else soar and fly. What if today God brought you to this church to tell you, I want you, I'm going to bless your life, but I'm going to bless you so that you will help somebody else soar in their life. Somebody that's maybe waddling in the mud, struggling in their marriage, figuring out what's this Christian faith, this life all about, that God actually could use you and wants to use you to help somebody else have a totally different perspective on their life, to get up where there's freedom to soar freedom from the weeds and the mud. We all want that. And God has put us on this planet. And I believe God brought you into this place this morning for me to tell you, God, this year, this year, this school year, he actually wants to use you, but he needs you to say yes. He needs you to say, I'm willing. I'm open. I'm available. I'm I'm willing to lean in. I'm willing to cannonball in and become a man or a woman that, even though I might feel inadequate, I feel disqualified, I, gosh, I don't, maybe you've never picked up a Bible, God can still use you. Because he's placed his spirit, the Holy Spirit, inside of each of us when we open our heart to Christ. And then he, he, he wants us not just to, we're so good at the great commandment, love God, love each other, love everyone always. We love that, that's that, Ocean Hills, love everyone Always. But that's just part of the story. That's the great commandment. There's also the great commission. Go make disciples. Dallas Willard writes repeatedly about how the church has failed. We're great at, at the love thing. We're, at least we're working on that. We're intentional about that. But most churches and most followers of Jesus in America are, are not making disciples. We're not intentional about that. And so this series that we're in right now, it's called, it's titled, Unfinished. Unfinished. Believing is just the beginning. Believing is just the beginning. The church in America has done uh, people a disservice. We think, I raised my hand. I stepped across the line. I became a Christian. I prayed the salvation prayer. I got my hell insurance. I'm all good now. No, 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 you're not. That's just the starting line. That's just the beginning point of a life of, are you ready for this? Becoming. The word for discipleship, the word that I like, it's the word become. It's not believe, it's become. Your life and my life, we are designed to become more like Jesus. That's why we use journey language. We are on a journey. We're going somewhere. We don't just go, oh, I got saved, and now I'm still a mean person. I'm still annoying. I'm still bigoted. I'm still racist. I'm still, you You know. No, I have been saved to become like Jesus. That's what the Bible is all about. It's about becoming the people of God, becoming who God dreams for us to become. I have a quote uh, on discipleship from this book. It's called Transforming Discipleship, Making Disciples a Few at a Time by Greg Ogden. I recommend it. Here's what he writes in the book. He says, at the heart of discipling is, listen to this language, an intentional relationship, an intentional relationship in which one or more believers assist or invest in each other. Not I'm better than you. In each other. One or more intentionally meeting, assisting, investing in each other. Why? In order to grow, to become, to mature in Christ. That's what discipleship is. It's helping each other intentionally. Become a more loving person, a more forgiving person, a more kind person, more patient, more gentle. All of those fruit of the spirit that Paul talks about in Galatians. The Spirit of Jesus in us, helping us to become, and then us partnering together to help each other. Does that make sense? Are you connected? That's God's plan, dream for your life and my life. Not to do it alone. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna try really hard on my own. No, 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 I need community, I need other people in my life to help me become the man that, that God, that Jesus dreams for me to become. This morning we're going to look at several passages, think of it as, as maybe mining for gold, you know, like those gold miners, they, were, they would dig and they would search and they would move stuff around and look and pry and press deeper. And then they'd find a gold, some gold. Oh, gosh, it was worth it. This morning, I'm just, I, that's what I've been doing this week in the book of Acts. The last few weeks, we've looked at how has Jesus discipled people. How did he disciple Peter? How did he disciple Thomas? Today, we're going to look at a, a, a different person, a different character. He's actually a very ordinary guy who lived an extraordinary life. A guy that most of us probably... Don't even know his name. Don't even remember. When I mention his name, many of you are going to go, maybe I've heard of him, but I don't know anything about him. His name is almost nowhere in the Bible. But his fingerprints are almost everywhere. Now just think about that. His name is almost nowhere, but his fingerprints are all over Scripture. He's the guy who came alongside and made a deposit, invested, poured his life into Saul, who became the Apostle Paul. He's the guy who came alongside and poured his life into and walked alongside and invested in John Mark. And we get the gospel of Mark from the hand, the pen of John Mark. He's the guy who came and and went beyond Jewish believers and said, no, I see the hand of God working in non-Jewish believers, in the Gentiles, in the Greek-speaking believers. God's moving in that community. Even those people, the grace of God is at work. And so we see his fingerprints. His name is Barnabas. And Barnabas was a man who saw potential in other people. He invested in others. He walked alongside others. He was all about strengthening others, encouraging others, really about loving others, not lecturing, really about walking alongside to strengthen and encourage. That phrase, strengthening and encouraging the believers, we see that in the book of Acts. And so I want you to to think about it with me in this way. This is how I'm framing this talk Helping others soar. Helping others soar. When you look back on your life, wouldn't it be an awesome legacy to to, to have people say about you, that guy, that woman, she helped me to soar. She was the one who made a deposit into my life, who spent time with me, who met with me, who prayed for me, who poured herself into me, who opened her life, who let me in, who helped me figure out my life and how it can be aligned with Christ. Wouldn't it be awesome that, that when you get to the end of your life, that, you, that people say that about you? Would you uh, Raise your hand if you would like that. Just raise, If you're going, I, I actually would love to impact somebody else in my life. Now, how many of you are going, I don't want to impact anybody. I just want to live for me, myself, and I? <laughs> raise that hand. In fact, stand up if that's you. I, that's you. Okay. I'm just going to live for myself. Right? No. So hopefully with that, you're going you're, you're gonna to lean in a little bit this morning. Just kind of hungry, eager, thirsty. You know, the Bible talks about hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Hungering and thirsting to be right with God and right with others and becoming the man, the woman that God dreams for you to become. So here we go. Just a few reflections out of the book of Acts. How do we make disciples? That's the great commission. Go make, how do we do that? How do we learn how to do that? We're going to look at Barnabas, an ordinary guy kind of just like you and me. But he did some extraordinary things. He trusted God. He acted in obedience. He said, he kept asking himself, God, how are you speaking to me? And then what am I going to do about it? And, and, and when he sensed God speaking and nudging in his life, he responded and he acted and he trusted and he stepped out in faith and he, he exhibited some courage. He faced his fears And he said, I want to be that woman, that man that God wants me to be. So here we go. A few reflections. Number one, if we're going to help others soar and others fly, it takes personal sacrifice. Oh, gosh. You got to start with that one, Ireland. Personal sacrifice? Jeez, I just lost half of you. But where Barnabas shows up first in the book of Acts is in chapter 4. And... It's talking about the early church and how they're so generous with each other and how they're experiencing a, a unity. And it's happening because people are sacrificing. You know, you hear people today, a lot of critics, a lot of church going critics are like, man, we got to get the church back to the early church. You know, we've lost our way. We've become too the. We got to get back to what the early church was like. And I, and I always go, really? Let's go back to Acts 4 and let's learn from Barnabas. Let's read Acts 4. It says, for instance, there was Joseph, the one that the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. So his reputation, he was an encourager. He saw potential. He lifted others up. He walked alongside and encouraged. And then look at what it says about him. He sold a field that he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. How many want to go back to the early church now? Let's do it. I'm all in. Let's go. But what is the spirit of generosity that we see? It's sacrifice. It's sacrifice. And what I love about this story, this is how we meet him. Barnabas helped the early church to soar he saw that life wasn't just about him, and man, I, I got this money, and I'm going to give it to my kids. That's what, that's what life's about. That's my legacy, just my kids. Barnabas is going, actually, my legacy is going to be the kingdom of God, the church, the people of God. I want to help the community of God soar, and the way that I'm going to do that is I'm going to make a personal sacrifice. I'm going to actually sell a piece of land, a piece of property that I have, and I'm going to give it to the apostles. Now, I'm kind of imagining him going, can you imagine? Like, here you go. Do with it what you want. Whoa, what? Yeah. And what did they do with this money? We're not told. But what we do know is that the early church soared. It helped people thrive and flourish and grow healthy and life-giving relationships. It became a community that began to reproduce and multiply and expand with the message of Jesus, which is a message of love and forgiveness and new life and new beginnings and second chances for everybody. Now, I don't know about you, but I wonder if if there's somebody in here that this is the passage God brought you today. I don't know. Maybe there's something going on in your life. You're like, oh, my gosh, that's me. I actually am selling a piece of property right now. Why did I come to church I don't know. We have to be people that are listening. How's God speaking to me? And what am I going to do about it? Why did God bless me? Why did God give me that deal? Why did God give me that? Why did, you know, and then we have to begin to, what does God want me to, is it just for me? I love the attitude of Barnabas. This is how he starts. Personal sacrifice. He was committed to helping the church, the early church soar. And so he made a personal sacrifice. My question to you is, why would you not sacrifice to help somebody else soar? To help the church of God soar? Why would you not? Second reflection, it takes not just personal sacrifice, it takes risk to help another person soar. You know, discipleship involves taking risks on people. And what we read in the book of Acts is that Barnabas took a big risk with a guy named Saul who would later become known as Paul. Because Paul, and he was known as Saul, he was a former enemy of Christians, of the church. He was the one who was in authority when Stephen was being killed, martyred. Paul was there affirming it, giving authorization for it. So he was an enemy of Barnabas. So Barnabas takes a risk. This former enemy, he sponsors. He vouches for him. Acts chapter 9. This is so amazing. Listen to this. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers. But they were all what? Afraid of him. They did not believe that he had truly become a believer. Verse twenty-seven. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Do you see what everybody else is going? Uh-uh. Uh-uh. No way. I don't. Uh, that guy. You know his reputation. Do you know, you're going to hang out with that guy? You're going to pour into that guy? You're going to walk along, say, nuh Nobody else would have anything to do with him. But Barnabas, he took a risk on this guy. He risked his credibility, his reputation. He risked just wasting his time. Is this going to be a waste of time? Is this guy's story true? He gave him the benefit of the doubt. He believed him. He believed God, that God was doing something significant and supernatural in his life. But then it goes on further. Barnabas partners with him. He doesn't just sponsor him and and vouch for him. And and part of the risk is he says, hey, we're going to work together. We're going to partner together to go make disciples, to expand the kingdom, God's kingdom. Acts chapter 13, among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch of Syria were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, Lucius from Cyrene, Manaen the childhood companion of King Herod and Tippus, and Saul. One day as these men were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said to them, appoint who? Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them, and he sent them on their way. Kind of sidebar here. I, I think there's a model for us in disciple-making of partnering together. I have known in my own life and my own ministry that some of the deepest and greatest memories, joys, experiences is partnering with other guys. And I've done that for years and years and years. And many of you in this church, we've partnered together. I'm still, there's still guys that I partner with. Say, hey, let's you and I grab some other guys and let's disciple, let's mentor, let's invest, let's pour into, let's walk alongside them. And we have men in this church that have been walking with God and walking with each other. But, you know, after, after several years of kind of, hey, we're in a little group together, you might go, hey, we've been doing this, just us for like five years? How about maybe we start thinking about who God wants us to disciple? Who does God want us together to pour into? And that's what God was doing here with Barnabas and Paul. And they take this risk. Barnabas takes this risk with Paul. Now let me just stop to say, do you know what risk means? It means it might not work. (laughs) It means... It might fail. It means you might actually invest in someone and they walk away from God. That's happened to me. Anybody else? I've like poured my life into people and they're not walking with God today. That's part of the risk. But I love what Dallas Willard says in this book that we're going to be selling to you today. Towards the end of this book, he said something I never heard before. He said, actually, you're not the one who makes disciples. Jesus is. It's like, what? Jesus says we partner with them. We walk alongside each other. We love each other. But God's the one who changes people, not us. We don't fix people. The agenda of discipleship isn't, okay, now you go meet with some people and fix them. That's not what it is. It's you go walk alongside and together you're listening to God. You're helping each other become more loving, more joyful, more patient, right? All of these, the fruit of the Spirit, joy, peace, patience, kindness. So it takes risk. And sometimes when we risk, it doesn't work out. Sometimes when we risk, it does work out. And you go, oh, my goodness. Barnabas took a risk by pouring in. Nobody else would meet with the guy. And look what happened. Paul becomes the author of much of the New Testament. He became this bold communicator who God used to spread the kingdom of God. Had Barnabas not taken that risk, who knows how this story would have ended? Who knows what the Bible would look like today? But because Barnabas said, yes, I'll do it. I'll invest in this guy. I'll take a risk. Look what happened. Here's the third reflection. It takes an openness that God can work in and through anybody. God can work in and through anybody. In Acts chapter 11, I'm going to paraphrase because it's too, it's too long. The word of God was being proclaimed, but only to the Jews. It was only to the Jews. And then in verse 20, it says, but some believers went to Antioch. They began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. And the, I love this phrase, the power of God was with them, and a large number of Gentiles were turning to the Lord so what happened they sent Barnabas so they sent Barnabas so they sent Barnabas to go to Antioch to go see what was going on and I love this he saw evidence of God's grace he saw evidence he went there not with a critical spirit hey wait a minute people that aren't Jewish can't follow Jesus you you have to be you got to know the secret handshake you, you got to be circumcised. you got to be this. you got to be that. No, he, he went with an openness to say the Spirit of God wants to reach and touch everybody. The Spirit of God wants to transform everybody's heart to become more like Jesus. And it says he goes and he sees evidence of God's grace. And then it says he encouraged the believers not to change their worship music. Hey, you can't have drums in the church anymore. He, he didn't say that. It says he encouraged the believers to, what? Stay true to the Lord. And I think sometimes we get caught up in traditions and denominations and politics. And what I love here is Barnabas focuses on helping them stay true to the Lord, to the character of Christ, not conformity to tradition. And sometimes in the church, we're more about conforming to tradition. you got to do it this way. You're doing what? The egg and armpit relay in youth group? That, what? You're doing what on Friday nights in the loft? You know, traditions change. I remember this whole worship thing. I mean, I'm old enough now to remember when we kind of, we had the hymnal, and then, and then we, we, we were started singing Maranatha songs. It's like, it's like, that was like bold, like expressive worship, right? And, and the drums and guitars went into the church. Some of us are old enough to remember that. It was like blasphemy. You can't do that. People were coming to faith. God was using a different genre, style of music. And I think oftentimes in the church, now I'm of that generation that can kind of look down and go, you guys are doing what? You can't, right? But no, what I love about Barnabas is he goes and he says, God uses a lot of different means. Same message, different methods. Same message. The message is not politics. It's not traditions. It's not denominational loyalty. The message is Jesus. The message is Jesus. And look what happens. He sees evidence. God's doing something here. It's probably not the way I do it, but God is doing something here amongst the Gentile believers. And now, here's my question to you. Are you open to God today, right here, right now? Are you open that God would put someone in your life over the next 40 days who might be different from you? Their politics might be different. Their theology, the way they think about God might be different. The way they think about Scripture. Maybe they're wrestling with certain things. Might be, Are you open to meeting with a person for 40 days? You don't have to meet with them every day. Once a week for six weeks. That God might use that person to help you grow. To become more like Christ. And that God would use you to help them grow. Second question I want to ask you. Who can you learn from? Is there anybody you can't learn from? I think God can use anybody. Anybody. Whether they're a believer or not, God can use anybody to help me become more like him. Rick Warren, he, he, he says, how does God teach us to love? He doesn't put the people around us that are easiest to love. He says, you want to learn how to love, like really love large? God puts people in your life that are annoying, that are challenging, that are difficult. So rather than go, I got to get rid of them, I'm breaking up with them. Rick Warren says, no, no, no. That's how God's working in your life. Don't, don't try and eradicate that. Embrace that person and be praying, God, what are you trying to teach me right now? How do you want me to grow, to learn, to be more merciful, gracious, accepting, understanding, Rather than judgmental, rigid, trying to convert someone to, to the way I think. Does that make sense? Are you with me on that? Some of us, that's a stretch. i got to keep moving. But this openness to God, that he can work through anybody, including you, even though you might feel unqualified. Another reflection, it takes humility to help somebody else soar it actually really takes humility, and I'm going to tell you why. You you, you might miss this in the book of Acts, but there's this subtle shift in the order of names as Luke writes this book. And you know, the listing of people's names is important. When you're listed first, that kind of is saying what? That's the more prominent person. And as you read the book of Acts, the story starts out Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul. And then something shifts. Verse 13 of chapter 13. Paul and his companions then left Patmos by ship. And they sailed, they landed at the port. And then it says, there John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. And then the next phrase, verse 14. But... Paul and Barnabas traveled inland, and then that that shift then begins to take place, not completely for the rest of the book. There's some other times it switches back, but think about this. If you're Barnabas, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, Barnabas and Paul, and then, oh, all of a sudden, the guy I've been investing in, pouring into, the guy that that I've been walking alongside and encouraging, now he's getting the recognition. He's actually becoming somebody He's the one now being asked to speak, not me. He's the one who's being asked to uh, uh, be part of a bigger movement, not me. But what you notice in this book of Acts, you never ever see Barnabas clamoring for title, for position, for recognition, for credit. And you never ever see Paul saying, hey, Barnabas, thank you. Hey, I give Barnabas all the credit. Paul never gives him credit. I I haven't found it. I've been looking for it. Paul never gives him credit, but Barnabas never demands it. That takes humility. That's like, I don't need the glory. God gets the glory. When I'm pouring myself, discipling, investing in others, it's not so so I get recognized. It's so that God gets famous. God gets the recognition. And we see that here. There's no me first attitude with Barnabas So if you want to help someone soar, lift them up. Humble yourself. Serve them. Jesus said in Matthew 20, right? Among you, it'll be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your what? Servant. Whoever wants to be first must become your slave. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others, to give us life. Part of mentoring, discipling others, it takes the humility of a servant. I'm going to serve. I'm not going to get the recognition or the credit, and I'm not looking for it. I'm just going to try and help somebody else soar. If I could help somebody else fly, if I could help somebody else who's waddling in the mud, discouraged and defeated, if I could lift them up a little bit and help them discover their God-given purpose, that would be amazing. Amazing. And then here's the last reflection. You want to help people soar. It takes not giving up on people. This may be the hardest one for me. This is the one I'm most guilty of. This is my confession. I think my greatest regrets in ministry over 35 years is there are people I've given up on. They were flaky. They would forget to meet when we were supposed to meet. They didn't become the person that I thought they should become in, on my timeline. And you kind of, over time, forget it, you know. But I want you to see here in this passage, Acts 15. After some time, Paul said to Barnabas, hey, let's go back and visit each city where we previously preached the word of the Lord to see how these new believers are doing. Let's go back and check in. Let's go back and walk alongside. Let's go back and and invest in that community. See, See how they're doing, these new believers. Let's go back and disciple them. Verse 37, Barnabas agreed and wanted to take along John Mark. But Paul disagreed strongly since John Mark had deserted them and had not continued with them in their work. And isn't it, that's what I love about the Bible. It's just so real. It doesn't hide stuff. Their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Barnabas and Paul couldn't figure it out, how to work together. They went, you know, maybe our time's up together. So let's multiply. Let's, let's, let's split up. You, you know, and so what does it say? Barnabas took John Mark with him. Paul gave up on John Mark. Dude, you deserted me. You let me down. You disappointed me. I'm done with you. I don't have time for you. I'm only, I'm only running with the winners. That's me. But that's not Barnabas. Barnabas says, I got John Mark. I got John Mark. Do you know the books of the Bible, the Gospels? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That second book, the Gospel of Mark, was written by John Mark. And do you know that Luke and Matthew's Gospel is in many ways dependent on Mark's gospel. His voice, John Mark's voice about Jesus is so prominent, so influential, so important. And I just wonder if Barnabas hadn't extended a second chance, extended mercy and grace. What if Barnabas had given up on him too and said, I don't, I don't have time, loser, flaky, You're not serious enough. You're not devoted. And I don't have time. I just wonder the impact that would have had. We wouldn't have the gospel of Mark. And that just jumps out at me. Barnabas gives John Mark a second chance. And I just want you to know that what you already know when you say yes to discipling others, to entering into this mutual, hey, we're going to invest in each other's life and help each other grow. I want you to hear this right now. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to experience a misunderstanding. You're going to show up, and they're going to forget. And you're going to go, my time's more important than this. That's all part of it. And then you got to decide, are you going to quit on people? When they stop coming to church, I actually... I'm part of a discipleship group. I meet with some guys, and we were meeting with these guys, and a buddy of mine, we're partnering together to do it. And one of the guys stopped going to church, so I went to the guy, and I said, hey, let, let, let's pick somebody else. And he grabbed my arm firm and he goes, what are you talking about? I go, he didn't even come to church anymore. And he goes, that's exactly why we need to be meeting with him. And he keeps coming every week. He's coming. We're not quitting on him. We're not giving up on him. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I needed to hear that. I, I, that's one of my, growth, my, one of my growth edges is giving up on people, quitting on people. But if we're going to help others soar, we give people a second chance. We don't quit on them. So let me stop. I'll have the band come up. We're going to enter into something that's going to start next weekend. We're calling it 40 Days of Discipleship. O talked about it. It's not the perfect thing. Don't overthink it or overanalyze it. But here's, here's the conversation we had with staff. I said, I'm praying for 100 people to say yes to 40 Days of Discipleship. So we ordered 100 books. And then you know what the staff said to me? Don't you want everybody to do it? Why would you only ask a, want 100 people to do it? I'm like, oh, great. Oh me, of, oh, oh, me of little faith. Well, we only have 100 books. We want everybody to do it, actually. We do. We want all of you to do it. But do what? What does it mean to do what? Here's the risk. Well, first, let's start with the cost, the personal sacrifice. This book... It costs 15, 13, 15 bucks, but we're going to sell it today for 10 bucks. Wow, you get a deal. But some of you are like, dude, I'm not, pay- I'm not paying 10 bucks for a book. Well, yeah, you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. You got 10 bucks to invest in your spiritual growth and life. The book is called Renovation of the Heart in Daily Practice, Experiments in Spiritual Transformation. Experiments. This is all an experiment. There are two-page chapters. You can do this every day. There's, there's actually 60 chapters, but they're only two pages. And so for the next 40 days, we're not even going to make you do 60. We're going to ask you to do 40 days, and you're going to read. And then what you're going to do is you're going to meet with a person once a week, and you're going to talk about what you read. And here's the questions you're going to answer and reflect on. How is God speaking to you? and what are you going to do about it? How's God speaking to you, and what are you going to do about it? You might go, wow, man, I, I underlined and highlighted this one paragraph, this one quote, and you're going to talk about how God's speaking to you through that quote, and then you're going to go, and here's the application. This is how I'm going to do something about it. Other, some weeks you might go, you know, the book didn't speak to me. It was kind of stagnant, dry. That's okay. God's still speaking to you. God speaks to you through your roommate's, God speaks to you through your challenges, through your marriage. God speaks to you through books, through movies, through film. God is still speaking to you through this book called the Bible. And if we read it and we ask, God, speak to me. And then show me what to do every day. And then you meet with this person. So you're going, well, what person? Who am I meeting with? Now here's the risk. You are going to be invited on that program you got. On the bottom, you rip off that card on the bottom. And if you flip it over, it says 40 days of discipleship. And you can sign up. You put your name, your email, and your phone number. And you're going to come up here and put it in one of these jars. Oh, look. Somebody already put one in. John Ireland. What? I'm taking the risk. I don't know who I'm going to get. I hope I get someone good. But if I don't, you know. That's the risk. It's just being real. I can do that for six weeks, and you can too. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to put your cards in here, and then we have a team of people. They're going to match you up, and they're going to email you and text you and say, hey, you two, you got paired up. And then you have to initiate. Hey, and we're going to have guys meet with guys and girls meet with girls. So if you thought this was a dating scheme, it's not. It's not. It's not. Guys meet with guys, girls meet with the girls for six weeks. But you have to initiate, hey, got your text. We got paired up. When are you available? Here's three times, my best times. You got, you got it. You're adults. You can figure this out. And then you come together and you ask those two questions. What is God? How is God speaking to me? And you might go, I have no idea. I've never heard God's. Great. What a great place to start. Talk about that. It's about having an authentic, real conversation spiritually about Jesus, about Scripture, about spiritual matters, relational matters. We're not talking about, you know, oh the Dodgers are 20 games up. and We're not talking about that. You can talk about that at another time. We're not talking about the economy right now and this and that. We're talking about Jesus. We're talking about my heart, your heart. How can God grab a hold of it? and help me to become the man, the woman that he wants me to become. It's an experiment for you. At the end of six weeks, I want to hear from you. You might go, that was a bust. Okay, well, we tried it. And some of you are going to say, that changed my life. I just, I just met a, a new friend, and we got so close. And we're going to keep going. We're, we're going to finish the book. We're going, to, we're going to partner together now. We're going to grab two other people and go through the book again in the winter. I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm praying that as I'm speaking, that the Spirit of God is doing something in your heart, nudging, tugging, stirring, that you're, I I just know, I've been praying for certain people. I'm going, how are they going to say yes, God? I don't know that they've ever said yes to anything in this church. But today I'm going, today's your yes. We're not having you volunteer for anything. We're not asking you to give money to anything. We're asking you to take a risk and, and invest in somebody else's life say for six weeks I'm going to help somebody else soar and so during this song your response is to there's pens up here on the platform grab your program fill out the card as your act of commitment you come down and you put it in one of these jars and then you go outside and you buy the book for ten bucks if you don't have ten bucks but you want we trust you take a book but you know give a hundred bucks next week you get it yeah right, let me pray for us And as I pray, would you open your heart? Put your hand on your heart right now. Just do that. Let's do that. God, my hand is on my heart because I want you to have it. And my heart, it wrestles, Lord. I'm busy. I got all these excuses in my mind of why I can't, shouldn't make this commitment. But God, right here, right now, I make this commitment to help somebody else soar to help somebody else fly, to help somebody else become the man, the woman that you want them to become. And by faith, I just say, yes, I don't know how you're going to use me. I feel so inadequate and disqualified, but I know it's through my weakness that your strength comes through. And so right here, right now, I say to you, God, use me. And Holy Spirit, would you connect me with the person that you want me to have? To help them grow, but also to help me grow. I receive that appointment. It's a divine appointment from you, and I receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. When you're ready, let's stand together, and when you're ready, fill out, you can fill out your card on the platform right down here and put it in there. Thank you. Before you re enter your day, we hope that you will take just a few moments to pause and respond to what God has put on your heart through this message. Thank you again for listening to the Ocean Hills podcast. For access to more sermons, visit the Watch and Listen page on OceanHills.org or find them on the Ocean Hills app.